Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bunny. Hello, Monday. Is it really oh, you? It is. Don't turn it on for the camera before you just, you were very nasty, rude, and sour. I was imitating you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was a good impression. <laughs> you thought you were talking to yourself. You were like, put down the joint, girl. Uh, <laughs> king of impersonations. <laughs> what a segue. I know. Today's episode has a very amazing impersonation because we will, well, you will be interviewing the lovely Jimmy James, y'all. I, I'm giving I'm giving Bunny some payback after the infamous Shaquita episode where Bunny was literally gone for 90% of it. So I was like, you know what, Bunny? I think you can handle this one on your own. Did you forget the Coco Peru episode where I was going oh, yeah, for Coco Peru. all of it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ebony and Irony slash um, helping Bunny figure out the internet. (laughs) Ebony and lunacy. (laughs) Um, Lady Bunny, how is this? How is this rainy? It's it's pretty bad rain in New York right now. Well, I wasn't. You know, I've been in bed with food poisoning or stomach virus for one week, and I got it in LA. So. uh, or San Diego, uh, either one, I don't know. And uh, I wow. got so sick that I got, had I, I was flying back Wednesday and I said, well, let me get a COVID test because I don't want to be the typhoid Mary of the skies. I didn't have any coughing or respiratory mm-hmm. stuff, but 
um, I had other symptoms like headache and um, <laughs> some digestive ones that can overlap with COVID. And let's just say I was experiencing some heavy tailwinds on the flight home with a oh. good deal turbulence. <laughs> oh my god on the flight wait did you did you have to, did you have runny diarrhea on a flight that sounds horrible yes but i had it in a horrible. champagne flute i had it in a champagne flute <laughs> oh my it was tray elegant chocolate okay. champagne okay oh. can you imagine <laughs> can you imagine the luxury can you imagine oh how god. jealous they all were <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, well here's the thing. So so you think it may be something you you that you ate. Did you think maybe this happened because of the amount of cum that you digested over your time in Los Angeles and San Diego? Is that a possibility? My father doesn't live in San Diego or LA. <laughs> but 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 my dad does. You guys have a very lovely relationship. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I um, who knows? It was a wild week. Uh, it was rough, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, you got to be careful about that kind of stuff. So, um, anyway, I'm back here and, you know, there's, there, we're, we're experiencing some sort of, I mean, we thought we had turned the corner with COVID and I hope that we still have, but we're experiencing some surges, you know, with know. all of that and. One of them, actually, Jimmy and I know each other from Provincetown, and everyone is watching that very carefully because after the July 4th weekend, um, mm -hmm. cases have exploded there, and there's now 550. Uh, many are among vaccinated people as well as unvaccinated. So the, the vaccinated ones are having light symptoms. Way and they're lighter symptoms. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, and that's great. But... But one thing that mm -hmm. I'm a little scared of is that one guy they interviewed, um, well, one guy they interviewed said that they're supposed to be asking for proof of vaccination at all the many venues that people make Provincetown a hotspot for. Mm -hmm. The only one where this person was asked for a vaccine passport was at the famous boat slip, which is an outdoor, like tea dance, like a daily outdoor pavilion, you know, like open air tea dance. And it's like you can't. You know, make those promises. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't you rather? So the place I'm supposed to be performing and Jimmy closed down for at least a week because a couple of their employees uh, got it. And so one of the guys he interviewed said something that interested me. He said, "Had I been at home, my symptoms would not have prevented me from going to work. Congestion, uh, diarrhea." Headache, right. and I'm like, well, that's, a, that's a that's a that's a hangover. I mean, if you're on vacation right. and you wake up with the sniffles, that means you have fun, okay? Right, right. The fact that this surge is happening in the summer, I guess, is better because had this been happening in the winter, it would be worse in theory, right? Um. Well, I I mean, it has been discussed. Look, we all had a ah moment when they said the CDC said you don't have to wear a mask outside, so that's great, mm -hmm. but. We all knew we couldn't go back to doing everything right away. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I, I've been running around doing gigs, so I'm not shaming anyone. Um, Provincetown yeah. didn't get to open last year. And so, and that's a seasonal place where they're, they have to make their money in July and August. So right. um, 
they didn't make any last year and they need to make it. So I, I totally understand their needs and I'm one of the people that needs to go make money um, and work there this summer. Jimmy is too. So um, I hope things even out. There has been a drop in new cases, which was looked quite steady, but it's also like 550 cases. So people are watching that. I just don't, I, I'm going to tell people this. We know that outdoors is safer. Mm-hmm. So maybe wear masks indoors before they tell you you have to, and maybe they won't tell you that you have to. But yeah, you're not that's what I'm Just masks. fucking wear a mask inside. Like, I don't understand what it takes. We've been doing it for a fucking year and a half now. Just wear the goddamn masks inside. It's really not that big of a deal. Just put the fucking mask on. When you're fucking eating your 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 chicken tenders or you're sipping your um, Amaretta Sour or, or whatever it is, and you take it off and you do that. But just keep, the, like, what does it do to you to keep the fucking mask on? It's so stupid. What if you're sipping your chicken tenders? <laughs> then you're you, then you're a fucking idiot and you should stay home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can do outdoor stuff through October here in New York. It's not that cold. Yeah. So we can yeah. still have a summer and we can still go to a camp and we can still eat dinner outdoors and go for a walk and jog and outdoor concert, I guess. So yeah, I, I yeah. think and also you know, outdoor glory holes and all those things, you can do those too. Yes, just don't suck a penis if it's coughing at you. Yeah, that's bad. If a, if a, if a penis has a runny nose, you should probably leave it alone. Let's just say that. Yes, and if you are in P-Town, enjoy yourself, but be careful of that dick dot variants. Girl, <laughs> the dick dot <laughs> variants. <laughs> Coming from the dean of dick herself, lady buddy. Listen, um, for our guest today, before like we get into it, y'all, if you before you even st- you listen to this interview, do yourself the favor and just Google Jimmy James Marilyn to see the glorious transformation that it like. I mean, honestly, I would have no idea that this was not Marilyn Monroe. This is grade A spot on. A thousand percent accurate impersonation. It is so good. Yeah, you know, I, I've obviously a lot of drag queens do impersonations and some for a living. Mm-hmm. And um, I always like two kinds the kind that do their own kind of twisted version of a celebrity, like when Jimmy does his, um, you know, eyes wide open with a cigarette, Betty Davis, or when the impersonation is spot on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then and you and you just can't believe your eyes and jimmy james as marilyn monroe is one of those illusions yes yeah, and then really he does good. the impressions. there's also that that queen in new york bun you probably know who it is who does the really good dolly impersonations like carlos or jason cosmo, jason cosmo. who is it yeah jason cosmo jason yes cosmo. so good so good yeah that's a really good why should i know him because i'm a hillbilly who's old <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, that's why. Okay, I can accept that. It's racist. <laughs> but I... <laughs> well, lady buddy, shall we get into the interview? Let's do it. The one and many voices of Jimmy James. <laughs> Jimmy James, welcome to Ebony and Irony, honey. <laughs> Oh, 
I was well, I like heard that. I heard that Pepper studied opera, and I wanted to join in. And now I don't have get to see Pepper. Pepper is no one gets to see Pepper, but Pepper is my phone sex voice that I used to drive the men crazy until they saw me. Today my voice is like crap, Pepper, because I've been performing all weekend. But um, for those of you who do not know Jimmy James, he is a celebrity impressionist. He is a performer, a songwriter with a billboard hit called Fashionista, a whole album of songs. He has been in LA Iwerks ads, a Kinar ad with Linda Evangelista. Is that right? I am a supermodel. I was on a billboard in Times Square as Marilyn Monroe, Judy Garland, and Betty Davis. And so I can now say I am a supermodel. Okay. All right. And and you're also getting ready to do um, your province town show. What is it called? It's called Love is in the Air. So is COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to seek out the love and not the COVID. (laughs) And, And so, I mean, for those who don't know our history together... Um, yeah, Jimmy, I mean, you would say that early on your passport to fame was looking exactly like Marilyn Monroe. There, there are Marilyn Monroe impersonators, and then there's you. I mean, the, even the, the women who impersonate Marilyn don't, n- never did it like you did. When did you start working on that illusion? I mean, did you just look in the mirror one day and say, I could make this face look like Marilyn's. Had you done other faces? (laughs) I, as a little girl growing up in San Antonio, Texas, was in the early 80s looking for some way to get out. I wanted to see the world. I wanted to be in entertainment. And I, like a lot of people, looked up to Jim Bailey back in the day for his astounding impersonation of Judy Garland. And I thought... Well, you know, maybe I could impersonate Judy Garland. Or maybe I could um, impersonate Barbara Streisand. The Barbara Streisand makeup took like four hours to do. And I was, uh, I studied theatrical makeup. Was that so the I could nose do the prosthetic? Nose. Was that the yeah, prosthetic the, nose? <laughs> yeah. But it was, yeah, but it was uh, the putty. I wasn't using a prosthetic so much as I was using a putty because I was doing, um, test shots back in the day when you had to turn the flash bulb <laughs> and you had to turn in the film and then uh, you'd have to uh, wait three days before it got developed and it'd come back to you and you could look, check out the makeup. I mean, we didn't have quickie selfies like we do now, but um, so then the makeup was too messy and too long. And I, the Judy, I couldn't do cause Jim Bailey already had that corner market, uh, that market cornered. And So I was in a bookstore, like Dalton's bookstore. I'll never forget. I picked up a book called Life Goes to the Movies, and I opened it up, and I saw a picture of Marilyn Monroe in a Philippe Halsman photograph, and I suddenly thought to myself, now I was a makeup artist, so I knew bone structure, so I looked at her face, and I thought, that's kind of similar to my facial structure. Now, nobody saw this except me because you'd have to be a makeup artist to see 
the possibility. I saw the possibility, but then I grew up with Janis Joplin, Diana Ross and the Supremes, Sonny and Cher. So Marilyn was a little bit more before my time. So I started to do some research and who is this person? I found out she could sing. I ordered an album, vinyl album from Sandy Hook Records from New Jersey. And there's recordings of her singing. And I'm like, oh my God, she could sing. Nobody, a lot of people didn't know that. So I went to a film festival and I saw her on the screen, not just in still photographs. And I was intrigued. And then I thought, okay, this looks almost, this looks impossible for me to do. How am I going to do this? So what ensued was about three years of research. You know, this is before YouTube, of course. All I could do was study books. And on occasion when a documentary would come out, no VCR to record it, you'd have to watch it, a documentary about Marilyn. And I studied and studied and studied and practiced the makeup and the makeup had to be so precise and um it, it couldn't be theatrical it had to be more glamour makeup but little by little i found a way to do the maryland face with makeup so i mean obviously when we're younger we spend, when we're older we run away from the mirror but when we're younger we spend a lot of time <laughs> preening in front of the mirror so you 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 didn't you weren't just looking at your face and determined you you saying that it was that the barbara streisand makeup had a, a nose made of putty <laughs> imagine going on the stage in the hot lights and your nose falls off michael jackson i wonder yeah. what that's like you know uh, but yeah i mean so so you just you just thought that you could do it? I mean, but uh, I mean, you, you, it was it wasn't anything that you saw in your face because I mean, you know, I can't no. really. No, no, it's just the structure. Uh, that was the structure of my face seemed to fall in line with what could possibly be, and I just felt like it was my ticket to get out. But I wasn't sure because you know there was no call back then. <laughs> right. And when you say get out, you mean achieve national fame, hit the road, make money. Get well, get out, meaning that I could jump into get out of San Antonio and jump into the entertainment world is what I mean. Right. Um, I wanted so badly to be an entertainer. And I think I saw Marilyn as as the what do you call it, the vehicle. Right. And so so when you say Marilyn was a little before your your time. Um, you know, a, a teensy little bit before my time too. Um, but uh, so you were not like a Maryland fanatic before you decided. No. To, that's no. not why you decided to impersonate her. When I, when I, um, because even when I thought, okay, maybe I could do something with this. Um, I had to do research because I didn't know anything about her. You could ask me about Diana Ross and the Supremes. You could ask me about, uh, uh, Cher and Sonny and you know you could ask me about a lot of these people um, Stevie Wonder even I mean I, I knew about all these people Janis Joplin but I did not know about Marilyn Monroe it was just as I studied her then I became a fan and just came to love her and when I was doing the makeup I was like you know what this has the potential to be so good so I want to take care of what I'm about to do. I wanted to do it right. I didn't want to be like, oh, 
hi, this is Marilyn. I, I, I realized in my studying her that she was very smart and really ahead of her time. So I wanted to figure out a way, because I did see like the lookalikes making her very breathy and cartoonish. And I learned in drama school, you know, you uh, when you study a character, they are human. So even if you're playing a prostitute like Lady Bunny, um, you have to make them human in some way. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna contradict you. I mean, I didn't play prostitute. So I just want to say, me marveling over you know you not looking at your face until you decided to to do Marilyn. And go look it up on Jimmy's website, JimmyJames dot com is that it oh they can see uh they can see uh youtubes just look up jimmy james maryland it'll it'll bring it up okay well tell them your website anyway so they can go and see what you're up to jimmyjames.com even though i have to get it redesigned it's old okay well um without monet here everything today here is old um so (laughs) uh, but 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 your impersonation of maryland was so uncanny and there is video of you on phil donahue uh joan rivers was sally jesse Raphael, um marcia warfield i mean several you know and and the thing that i loved about it because i grew up where marilyn was such an icon it was really like her elvis and james dean so by the time i was 18, I was like, oh, I can't take any more of either, of of any of those. It was just like overkill by the time I was, you know, in my late teens. See, and it wasn't for me because I didn't, Marilyn was never on my radar. Uh, Diana Ross, Cher, that was on my radar. Right. But but what I love about your impersonation is not just that you looked just exactly like Marilyn, but you also portrayed her with a sense of humor because you were doing a nightclub act and one of my favorite things yeah. is you'd go to the audience someone in the audience and you know off on a guy and say um hi what's your name and whatever they would say you'd say that's right as if that's you right. knew it and <laughs> i love that i mean so it was it, instead of a slavish um uh, uh, even though with the looks, as you said, the makeup had to be perfect. But it wasn't a slavish recreation of Marilyn. There was really good humor in there. You remember you also used to say, I love performing at P-Town. The beaches are so close to the water. <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously made the character of Marilyn look really, you know, dopey. But I mean, that was that was the humor of it so that's right I, I and what i did what i did was i i i played her to be like in on the joke um you know i just love walt whitman um he's such a good writer and he makes amazing chocolates <laughs> and, and and does d- was Marilyn in on the joke in real life do you think yeah i think she was I think she was. She, by all accounts, she was two different people. You know, she, she created this Marilyn Monroe persona, and away from Marilyn, she was. I mean, I looked at it from all my studies. She, for her to become Marilyn Monroe, she basically got in drag. She did. Uh-huh. Right. She uh-huh. got in drag to become Marilyn Monroe. Norma Jean would get in drag to become Marilyn Monroe. That's what I surmised. I remember. 
I was looking for fabric in San Antonio where I was starting out in the early 80s. And there was a Japanese woman who was owned the store. And I told her I was trying to impersonate Marilyn Monroe. And that's why I was getting this fabric to make a dress. And she said Put something it over very interesting. Put the fabric on yeah. your face. <laughs> you just, she said, you like just she like said Marilyn today. <laughs> she said something very interesting. She goes, oh, Marilyn came to Japan when I was a little girl. And my mother took me to see her, I think, at the airport. And I go, really? I said, what, what was your impression? What do you remember about Marilyn Monroe, right? So we all know her to be like this sex goddess. So she says, oh, Marilyn, she was so cute. And I never forgot that because from a five-year-old little girl, seeing the sex goddess of the world as so cute. And I always use that in my character study. So I would boof myself up to be some goddess with the pointy tits and the and the sexy hair falling on the face and the moist greasy lips and the the half lid i like all sexual but to play her cute and that was the magic she was cute and back then i mean as someone who well, stayed with you in Provincetown, became familiar with Provincetown when you were doing your show and ruling Provincetown for many, many years as you prepare to go back there this summer. What was outrageous to me is that you had this calling card that was to do Maryland. But then you, so you came out as Maryland and everyone had pretty much already gotten their money's worth. And that was about what, 20 minutes, 15 minutes? Yeah, and the rest 20. of the show, you would, you would change. Then out of I the would change and come in to come out as a boy with makeup and do a dazzling array of vocal impressions from Cher to Eartha Kitt. That's Eartha might be my favorite. Cher is my other favorite. Betty Davis, Judy Garland. I mean, so many. So even though they've come to see this astonishing physical resemblance and the character that you'd created. Then they were just blown away, bam, 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 by all of these different voices. And it's it's so insane to see it. Of course, I've known you for many years, but I can think back to that time. It's like, I really can't believe that all of these voices that he's doing have sold millions of records. In this show, Jimmy's show, they're all coming out of one throat. I mean, it was just... And though it's, you know, it's a funny thing. I was thinking about this the other day because I'm in San Antonio right now getting ready for the show in Provincetown and um, nobody in my family sings. It's so bizarre. No, I would have loved nobody to have... As, in, as in you either. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody sings. I'm like, this is insane. And my teeth were always straight and everybody in my family had a slightly crooked teeth or whatever. It all just fell into place because I wouldn't have had the money to get my teeth fixed. So I'm so glad, you know, just everything fell into place. The voice, the facial structure, the teeth, it fell into place because it's just bizarre. I, I wish I had a family member I could do sing with or something, but I really don't. Well, I can't help you there, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Your mother, throughout COVID, you did um, do very popular online Facebook live shows yeah. starring your mom, Josephine. 
Well, here's the problem. I don't sing around the house. And there has been times when I didn't sing for like a couple of months, and it is so hard to get the voice back up as the years go by. Um, so I was like, what am I going to do? All my gigs canceled, of course. No gigs. And I only sing for my gigs. I mean, I don't sing around the house. So I was like, oh, what the hell am I going to do? So I just became like Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. Look, Mom, we're going to do shows from our living room. And we're going to just put it on Facebook for free. And let, you know. And so my social media person said, you need to put a tip jar and I said, oh, I don't want it. I don't want to charge people. He goes, well, just put an electronic chip, tip jar. And so I did that. But basically, my shows were for free. And I had such a blast because it forced me to learn new material, a lot of which will be in this show in Provincetown at the Red Room. And um, I got a new show out of it. Because truth be told, if I'm going to be honest, last summer when I was supposed to go to Provincetown and wound up because of COVID, none of us did. But I didn't have a new show. And I was like, oh, I can't think of a new show. But now I have a new show. So in a way, I kept my voice in shape. I kept mom from falling into a deep depression. And I put her as my sidekick. And then later on, she wanted to be called a ghost star. Ah, she's adorable. <laughs> you know, toasting the camera with her martinis. A real martini. She... She would wait for that because normally she has a martini around four or five, but she would wait on the shows here. The time would be at eight o'clock. She couldn't wait. And oftentimes that martini was gone after two songs. <laughs> like mother, like daughter. Um, what were some of the harder voices to, to develop? Um, Billie Holiday was really hard and Barbara Streisand is still hard to this day. It's very, very hard. And that's why I had to keep my voice in shape or else I, I lose the Streisand. Um, morning glory and the midnight sun time we've learned to sail above all that is so delicate that if i don't practice it'll be like time as <laughs> fresh as the morning air uh, I, I could like do a whole better. show of brenda <laughs> i like i could do a whole show of uh, b arthur but <laughs> it, it, it was share a difficult one to Master, because she's good. You really nail her belt. Like, I I didn't, until I saw you perform The Way of Love, I didn't, I knew that song from my childhood, but I didn't remember, like, how great that was. And you always nail that last, you know, yeah. note. That's another thing, like, even singing as Cher's, one of my joys is to do Cher's voice, because as a kid, I wasn't following Marilyn. I was following Cher. And I had every album would lock myself up in my bedroom and just pretend that I was Cher. I knew I was going to grow up to be Cher. Instead, I grew up to be Chaz Bono close enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could swear I was going to grow up to be Cher. But anyway, um, I would do Cher all the time. Now, that wasn't really practicing. It was just so much as me really believing I was. Do you believe in Cher after all? <laughs> <laughs> and 
And then Billie Holiday was hard because I love Billie Holiday, but there was this jazz sound and it was, um, I don't know why, but I'm feeling so sad. I had to get her intonations and it's all of them are work in progress. You're never there. I'm just always working, working, working on it. It's like do, dance. Do, you have you, to keep trying. Do you t- ever record yourself doing the voices and then analyze what you've done? Yes. Yes. In fact, these COVID shows were recorded, of course, on Facebook. And um, they're all up there at Jimmy James Hollywood, facebook.com forward slash Jimmy James Hollywood, all one word. You just have to scroll down to all the the uh, Facebook shows and they're recorded. And I do go back and I listen and critique myself. What notes did I hit that were flat? Oh, I hit that one good. Oh, that one's not that good. I got to get better at that. So I go back and listen and it's, it's just an ongoing process. You're never there. The only people who are there are the actual people who sing in their voice. <laughs> Um, And so Provincetown is a popular gay resort. Of course, we have listeners of Ebony and Irony around the world. It's Provincetown, Massachusetts, and we talk like everyone knows it. But it's kind of like a gay resort town in New England that's very popular with New Yorkers, all people from all over the country. And you are about to go to the Red Room August 1st through Labor Day. Right. And the show is called? Love is in the Air. So if you're going to P-Town, you know, do not miss it. Tell us some stories about P-Town back in the day. Because when when was it? I mean, you befriended Sylvester. You worked with Waylon (gasps) Flowers of of Madam. I mean, we we were a worshiper around Sylvester and Madam around here. I never met Waylon Flowers. But this was like a real proving ground for like gay talent that was about to uh, break out. Right, right. So so performers from the past uh, were divine. She would perform in Provincetown, I think in in a play like uh, Women Against, uh, Women Behind, Women Bars, Behind Bars, I think. And of course she was uh, John Waters' good friend and John Waters goes every summer. I met John Waters out there. I never met Divine, but... Um, I also met um, uh, Waylon Flowers, Waylon and Madam. Oh, my God. He was so hilarious. Oh, my God. But without the puppet, he was just very like a genteel, sweet, southern boy. And then the puppet, he just he just was like it was his alter ego. Um, This is what I've always... (laughs) Madam, for those who don't know, was a very famous puppet operated by a gay man named Waylon Flowers. And Madam was like an older diva type personality in a turban or jewelry and and whatnot. And he got his own sitcom, national sitcom called um, Madam's Place. And um, it's an interesting part of the evolution of drag because it's like drag was not on TV much. Right. But, and they, they told this sissy, well, squat behind a couch and operate a puppet that's a drag queen, like Madam. You know, that you're male, right. but you're operating and giving the voice to a female 
character. So yeah, it was literally his alter ego, but that was before, I mean, long before RuPaul, really before, um, I mean, drag was seen on national TV. I mean, it wasn't drag, it was a puppet, but like the Golden Girls, um, the, the an older character can get away with saying much more. And of course, a puppet is wood, so can get away with anything. Yeah. And we hung out with him and he was very sweet. Also, you know, bef- okay, and I, so I met Sylvester in 1987 in Provincetown. I also met him later. He would see my shows in New York and he would see my shows in Provincetown. You have to understand with me, again, going back to where I did, I wasn't a big Maryland aficionado. I could tell you about Sylvester. I had all his albums and I would in Texas dream about Sylvester. Like this was like a goddess, God goddess to me. And his beautiful voice was so incredible. I will never be as cool as Sylvester. Sylvester was so cool. And you imagine when he came to see me in Provincetown, there's a picture of me and him together and you will never find a happier face. <laughs> My mom and said, you know, Jimmy, you don't even look like that anymore. I go, mom, I'm so happy and way younger in 1987 to meet my idol, Sylvester. I was so happy. Like, you don't see me smile like that. And we hung out at the boat slip while it was like, while all the guys were out, you know, getting their son and, and, um, Sylvester had a video camera and he gave me a lot of good information about music, dance music, because even then I wished and dreamed that I could sing dance music like he sang dance music. And he told me about Patrick Cowley and he told me about the problems he had with Warner Brothers not believing in him. And he, something about, oh God, he got in a pink negligee and went pounding down the hallway, pounding down the doors of the executives and said, you're going to, you're going to do this record because Patrick for that song, do you want to funk with me? Do you want to funk? Let me show you how. Do you want to funk with me? Uh, Evidently they thought you can't make a record for $2,000. And he said, yes, I can. And they didn't want to put it out. And so he forced them screaming telling them, you got to put this out. No, he told me stories about that. And he said, I said, how can I get in? He go, First of all, he told me he had a show where he had the a tribute to ladies of the blues, where he'd have like Billie Holiday and I don't know, Sarah Vaughn and like four ladies of the blues. So he said, I was doing what you're doing now. And, uh, but he says, all you need, Jim, if you need, if you can just get that one, once you get the one, they'll listen to you. And he was right. Like once I did Fashionista and that got out, then I have a certain amount level of respect because I wrote and sang that song. So, you know, I can have a little bit of clout if I wanted to, to call up other people to work with and do more music. And if what I want. year did Fashionista come out? It came out in 2007. Oh, Okay. And I mean, it, you know, it's played as an overture for drag shows around the world. It was really huge in the club circuit, especially in Latin America. And there's like, didn't you say 37 million views on 
YouTube? On YouTube from fan-made videos. My label never even made an official video. It's the dumbest thing ever. Um, I brought them directors and everything. They didn't want to spend any money. They were like, I don't know, it's so cheap. And um, But it took off on its own by fan-made videos around the world. Over 35 million views from fan-made videos. It's pretty incredible. Everybody line up. The show is about to start. Places. Uh, no yeah, that, one uh, ugly allowed, like Lady Bunny. Oh. Did the success of the record lead to gigs performing it? So it did to, for some, but I feel it's. A, I'm a little bit invisible with that song in that it took off with. I mean, I always had a fantasy that if I could ever write a song that drag queens would want to lip sync to, I would have made it. So that actually did happen because drag queens love to lip sync to it. So I guess they're the ones with all the gigs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, it's probably cheaper to hire them. Um, With Marilyn Monroe as something that would sell tickets to your show because you look just like her and sounded just like her. And then you stepped out on your own to do your own voice. I mean, you impersonate other voices in your show as well. But I mean, that must have been freeing because it's something that you, you know, always wanted to do. Well, I always, uh, well, I always have this paranoia that the voices and the impressions are going to go away. And, um, so far I'm hanging on, but I'm always afraid the voices will go away. And I wanted to like, you know, like have insurance for the future in some way in case the voice, I love doing the voices, but I'm always scared that they're going to go away. I mean, how long can I sing like Barbara Streisand? I don't know. I'm always scared that my audiences are going away, going to go away when they hear <laughs> my voice. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's difficult to go from singing you know, million seller hits to your own song. Because it's, it's almost like um, a crutch that prevent. <clears throat> I mean, you don't have the need as much to, because you've already got a way to fill rooms. And, and one thing you mentioned in this Instinct interview is that, you know, you and prob- prob- probably a few comedians, like, who are we talking about? Suzanne Westenhofer? You, you really were like one of the few acts that toured before Drag Race as much as a Drag Race girl. Every, oh, every yeah. queen in, on the planet I, was jealous of your touring schedule because you would play not just gay nightclubs, but legitimate cabaret venues where not just gay people came. And that yeah. really didn't happen much like, back then. No, it didn't. Like the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel Studio One backlot that Joan Rivers would play and Suzanne ba- um, Roseanne Barr would play. Uh, legit, because Studio One was like a blend of gay, straight. But Hollywood Roosevelt was a legit room to play. And yeah, and the television exposure from Geraldo and Donahue and Joan Rivers and Sally Jesse, all that gave me that credibility. But it was really tricky back then. You could not even say, couldn't say you were gay. I look at Billy Porter now, or you could, Anderson Cooper, uh, 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 just on and on. 
you can you can say you're gay. Do you know that in the early 90s, like 90, 91, I had a meeting with HBO, a, an executive from HBO. And I don't want I don't want to put this on HBO, but just this particular executive. And we had a meeting with her and she saw my sold out show at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. And I wanted to put my show on HBO. I thought, you know, so my manager, you know, Bubba, we had a meeting with her. And you know what she said to me? Jimmy, you are so talented, but gay will never be on television. And I never even say the word gay in my shows back then. I would never even say the word because I knew that it was death, mm-hmm. even in Hollywood, because the gays back then were scared to lose their jobs, who were executives. They were scared to lose their jobs because AIDS was running rampant and people were like, do you have it? Do you have, maybe you have it. I don't know. I'm going to go get checked. It was like a very crazy, weird, paranoid time. And I remember it so well because don't forget, I was, I was impersonating women and I was wearing a dress and I was Marilyn Monroe with, with a penis. I mean, it was like, (laughs) you know, it was a strange time. But the illusion enabled people to forget that technically there is a penis right. tucked right. under this dress because it's a star that everyone loves and it's just a marvel to see. Right. And that's what I loved about you going on in your show to then do different voices because it was like, okay, this isn't just a trick. It isn't just a sleight of hand. There's a, a complete, right. I mean, these are all different kinds of voices. But so the the, the person that you would change out of the Maryland into would be the boy with makeup, which was the image for Fashionista. You did have one other song called Who Wants to Be Your Lover that did get a video. Yeah. Was there any pushback on being androgynous back then? Mm -mm. From your label? By that time, it was 98, so no. It was 1998, and it was kind of a little bit easier by then. By then, they put me in. You, you know, I I I kind of wanted to do all my characters, personas like Patsy Cline, Betty Davis, Marilyn, um, the Disco Diva. I put I put all those drag personas in that video because I knew that if I throw them all in there, they're not going to ask me to do it again because they won't want to repeat that again. So I, that's the last time that I did Marilyn was for Who Wants to Be Your Lover. The last time. It was in 1998. And, and you're, you're done with her because even though your impersonation is not a slavish impersonator, as we said, there's impersonation, there's humor, um, you are a perfectionist about the, the appearance of Marilyn. Yeah, because it's there's something I cannot help, and that's the passing of time. And, you know, Marilyn died at 36, and when when you're so good at something, when you're so good, you got to know when to say goodbye so that you will always be remembered as being that good. I don't want to do Marilyn past the age of 36, and I never did. And so it's like a, also like a respect thing. For Marilyn. Yeah, I always say, yeah, exactly. It's a respect for Marilyn and a respect for myself. You have referred to your look as a glamour dyke. And of course, I've been with you many, many times. (laughs) 
when you have been, I mean, there's a lot of lesbians in private cell, but you have been confused many times, you know, as a lesbian because you're not tall and you have a very, a cherub's yeah. face and, yeah. uh, you know, pretty, you know, full lips and feminine features. But I mean, do you tell, give me your take on today's hot button topic, the gender explosion? Because sometimes I feel like, Girl, we just did it, and now all they want to do is talk about it. <laughs> like, what? What gender are you? What, I mean, what? What? What do you? What is your take on that? Do you discuss no. your gender? Because, as you say, when you started this, people didn't even say that we're gay, much less you know. Because this was something that nice people could but go. Bunny, to. yeah, Bunny. I learned a long time ago, and I can only speak for myself. Because people always confuse me for being a girl, even out of makeup, like no makeup, just a T-shirt, shorts, running shoes. They think I'm a female. And I learned a long time ago, it's uncomfortable for me to correct somebody. I just go with the flow. It's if they see me as a woman, fine. If they see me as a guy, because once in a while they'll say, yes, sir. And I go, and I'll think to myself, how did they figure that out since no one else can? Because um, you needed a <laughs> shape. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I go with either one because it doesn't bother me. So if they say he, she, it, they, them, the only thing I, I get a little uncomfortable is how do you want to be addressed? What, how do they say it? How do you want, what is your pronoun? Pronouns. What are your pronouns? Well, I love what Jackie Beat said. This is the best. When they asked Jackie Beat, what, what is your preferred pronoun? And she said, Venmo. Oh, <laughs> that's so good. My pronouns are was slash were, because that's how old I am. Um, well, obviously, young people have a different take on it than our generation. But I was asked at a performance festival in New Orleans two years ago. When I got there, they said, "What would you? What are your pronouns?" And I said, honestly, I don't want to um, lay down the law. I want people to connect with me. I'm not going to question how they connect with me. I want them yeah. to laugh. I want them to yeah. applaud. You know, I, I'm how they, you know, look at me is not really my thing. But it's a lot. It is people's thing nowadays. You're in the thick of it, and I'm not really in that thick of a world of that. A lot of the venues I play now are mixed between gay and straight mixed, like the purple room in Palm Springs, you know, places like that, um, that it doesn't matter. I don't know. I'm not in the thick of that. Um, yeah. I think it doesn't matter as much to people, our generation. Tell us yeah. about the, the stamp in Africa. <laughs> Well, this this company that makes stamps, evidently, this was in 2014. I didn't find out about it until 2016. They were selling this uh, collection of Marilyn Monroe stamps that are car like a cartoon, not a cartoon, a artist rendition of Marilyn. And it had two images per stamp. And so on the last image, it's Marilyn with the horn-rimmed glasses. And my image of Marilyn, photographed by Greg Gorman, uh, with the horn-rimmed glasses, uh, juxtaposed with her. And they were selling them as stamps in Africa. So 
girl, I was on an African stamp. <laughs> and th- basically because they thought that they were, that it was, th- that was Marilyn. Yeah. It was, it was your LA Works ad where you posed as Marilyn. Yes. And it was, I was threatened lawsuits and LA Works was threatened lawsuits. That image of Greg Gorman's uh, uh, picture of me as Marilyn with the horn, white horn and glasses is gone viral in itself. Probably the most mis misunder misidentified photo of Marilyn in the world artists have, have <laughs> recreated it and people have gotten tattoos like even straight butch guys have gotten tattoos with that image and they don't know that that's really a guy playing Marilyn what happened was that image was banished from ever being seen for 22 years when it came out in 1989 it ran only once in Andy Warhol's interview magazine the ad. and then the ad, the ad for mm-hmm. LA Iwerks. They were threatened lawsuits, and I was threatened lawsuits. And so LA Iwerks got really nervous, and they pulled it and banished it from ever being seen again, ever, for but, 22 years until something called the Internet set it free. I don't know how it got out there, but it got, once it gets on the Internet, that's it. You you can't stop it. And but, for those that weren't around back then, getting an LA Iwerks ad where you wore their glasses was you know Joey Arias? Uh, this was like you, you. This was like a sign that you'd come out from the underground and made it. You know, like Whoopi Goldberg, Andy Warhol. Um, um, uh, who else was on? Just so many celebrities, and then underground kind of cool artists. That if you don't know who they are, then you're not cool enough. It's kind of that vibe. And they were very selective about the people. And I got selected because they saw me at the Roosevelt Hotel and they asked me to do it. I was so flattered. I couldn't believe it. I was like, yes, of course I'll do it. But we didn't know that we were going to get in such trouble with that. And it broke my heart because, you know, later on I see RuPaul in, in his ad. Nobody's suing him for doing the RuPaul face. But I got, was getting sued for the Maryland, doing the Maryland thing. It just broke my heart. Was that from her estate? Yeah, the lawyers, the attorneys that handled her estate. The you cannot use the likeness and her likeness and image to sell products. Oh, okay, okay. They own the likeness and image, but now her image has gone public. I think Copyright public free. domain. Hmm. I'll never do Marilyn again. It's a it's a time that came and went. It will never be again. And you've talked about a documentary incorporating this footage. Again, if, uh, you know, any listeners don't know Jimmy James, look up Jimmy James, uh, Marilyn Monroe on YouTube, and you will see the most astounding live impersonation. <laughs> um, you you were asked uh, by instinct about uh, Snatch Game, where the drag race queens impersonate celebrities. And you said, you know... You, 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 impersonation is part of drag. I mean, it's not part of everyone's drag. It's not, not part of my drag. I'm just impersonating Philip Seymour Hoffman um, out of drag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. Do, 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 they, they ask you about Snatch Game, you know, because you're an impersonator. Sometimes these questions irritate older queens, because we feel like, you know, I know drag race is buzzworthy, but we're doing our own thing. We finally got one interview. They've had 
zillions for every time, you know, there's something that goes well, on. But wait, what was the question they asked me? I forgot. Uh, what do you think about the queens impersonating people to varying degrees of success? And you said that you loved it and said something about you would do Betty Davis with a real cigarette. Betty Davis being one of the uh, yeah. funniest parts of your act to me. Yeah. Well, but, now clubs, you know, talk about pronouns. Now you can't even smoke a real cigarette in a club. So it totally throws off the Betty Davis. I basically retired Betty Davis. I brought her out for COVID for the living room concerts to cheer people up. But in my own living room, I can smoke a real cigarette. And I can't do that in a club. It's so crazy. Well, it's just the clubs use, you know, I don't really smoke, but... I I didn't like it when they stopped having cigarettes because it was so permissive. You know, it was it was a um, wilder time when there weren't cell phones and people were they were messy. And Lipsinka hated the cigarettes and loves the fact that you now go home with your costumes not smelling like cigarette, you know, yeah. your wig. So there's a plus like a side to it, but even though I don't smoke, I I liked the presence of cigarettes in clubs for some reason. Like, I can't even, I was almost arrested in, um, the cops came to the venue in Scotland when I was doing the Fringe Festival a few years ago. They came to arrest me because one night when the reviewer was there for the Scotsman newspaper, um, I said, to hell with it. I am going to get a real cigarette because I was using powder cigarettes. Oh, so disgusting. They just don't have the same feel of a real cigarette for Betty Davis. So I came out that night uh, and used a real cigarette. And I got four stars for the whole show. Thank you very much. But the next day, the cops came to arrest me, and they had to explain to them, oh, he's American, he didn't know, blah, 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 so that they wouldn't arrest me. They were going to arrest me over one cigarette that I used on stage. I know. Isn't it outrageous so, the way Betty used to smoke in those interviews? I mean, she was towards the end. It was like you'd be on it like an, as if it was the equivalent of Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. And she was out there puffing on a cigarette. Oh, yeah. It's so integral to her look. But, you know, honestly, the reason I decided after 35 years to finally retire Betty is because I was doing a show in Palm Springs and, you know, people of a certain age, they weren't they weren't laughing as much as they used to laugh. And I could say, okay, maybe it's me. I'm not giving it what I used to give it. But the video I have of Feliz Navidad for my Christmas album, Betty Davis sings Feliz Navidad uh, with a music video, the music video never changes. So I could tell there were no longer those belly laughs that I used to get. The video used to steal the show. It was well, no I mean longer stealing the show. Well, but but the, the, as 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 your audiences age, I mean, as everyone's audiences age, the, 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 you're getting people who did not have Betty Davis movies in their life. I mean, right. she's been dead for what twenty uh, five years or longer. I don't so, know. It's been a long time. Yeah. So I mean, in terms of, I mean, obviously, voices like Judy Garland, Patsy Cline, Eartha Kitt. Well, a lot of them are dead. 
um, you know, what are the new voices that you enjoy doing? Right. So I've added like I've I and I in this show I've I'm finally because of my practicing in the living room concert, I'm doing a Sylvester song, Mighty Real. I always wanted to do it. I just never could. It is actually a hard song, Mighty Real. And I'm doing a 80s tribute. It'll be Karma Chameleon and Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. And I'm doing, a, I'm not sounding like Dolly Parton, but I'm going to sing a heartfelt ballad version of Jolene. And I'm going to sing uh, Lana Del Rey's Young and Beautiful, set to a retrospective of my career with all these gorgeous photographs of me, not just as Marilyn, but all these other personas like Beverly the Slut <laughs> with her <laughs> rubber pussy panties and rubber boobs. and um, Which was a very shock sick, uh, like that was a sick. nightclub act that you did that was just raunchy and twisted, more like raunchy. a Lady Bunny act than your usual act. Right. And then I, my Patsy Cline and Judy Garland and just all these personas and looks that I've had over the years, because it wasn't just Marilyn. I, I was able to do a bunch of others, but Marilyn was my Mona Lisa, so to speak. And so um, but so I'm going to sing Young and Beautiful by Lana Del Rey. And in other shows, I've sung uh, Summertime Sadness. John Waters came up to me after the show and says, I can't believe you did Lana Del Rey's Summertime Sadness. And it's just like John Waters to be up with all of that. You know, I was so proud of that moment. Tell us where people can learn about you. Give us your Instagram, your website, where the name of your show again, and it's running August uh, 1st all the way through Labor Day in P-Town where you have ruled and I'm glad you're coming out of this COVID mess after a year at home swinging, you know? It's like, this has been a rough, rough well, time. Yeah, and it may still get rough. Still may get rough. Let's hope, I don't know. But um, yeah, the Red Room in Provincetown, Massachusetts, August 1st through Labor Day. My Instagram is Jimmy James Graham. My Facebook is Jimmy James News. Also, facebook.com forward slash Jimmy James Hollywood, where you can watch all my living room concerts for free. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, also on your stoop in New York, I can, I'm going to hang out there. Um, I, I moved. I moved. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jimmy. Everyone check out Love is in the Air at the Red Room in Provincetown. We're at the same place. The Red Room, right? Yeah, we're going to have fun. And we're going to don't die. give me any of your COVID. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't give me any of yours, honey. All right. Much love, Jimmy. Much love to you. Love to you too, Bunny. Don't die. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's too late. Oh, this is the ghost of Lady Bunny. <laughs> Judy, <laughs> to say. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy James and I hope to be performing in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Uh, we got our eyes on the surge of COVID there, but you know, 
Varla Jean Merman's there performing outdoors. I think Dina Martina is too. And hopefully things mm -hmm. will have turned around because right after this outbreak happened, they did a great thing and set up lots of like mobile testing booths. Oh, which, good. That's great. So, it is great. And then the, some, quote, patriots, unquote, started protesting. Oh, because why oh, would you want anyone to get tested in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> yeah, why would you want that? Like, why would anyone want that? <laughs> anyway. So silly. Uh, yeah, but um, uh, and and at the top of the episode, money money was absolutely right. On a podcast, we cannot convey the magic of Jimmy James as Marilyn Monroe. So he's on Phil Donahue, Sally Jesse Raphael, I think Joan Rivers, and uh, many other shows that were huge at the time. Yeah, we um, he was supposed to be on the exchange rate, but you know, but Bunny ended up occupying his time. So maybe when the exchange rate comes back to ABC Networks in the fall, then we could have. Jimmy I'll be ben. your co-host. I'll be your co-host. <laughs> I would love that, buddy. I would absolutely love that. No, they're going to exchange the host and our the host. <laughs> <laughs> Bunny I'll exchange. Work. Lady Bunny, Bunny thank you. Oh, Bunny Sex Change. Oh, I like that one. But what? But to what sex will you be changing to? Feline, canine. It doesn't matter. Species. I'll be a. I'll be a diversity hire. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Whichever one I change to. <laughs> On that note, we have to go because, again, I'm not trying to get canceled for Lady Buddy once again. So thank you all for joining us for another episode of Ebony and Irony. And we will see y'all next week. Podcast Network.